This podcast is part of the Telerik Developer Network. Telerik, a progress company. Hello and welcome to Eat Sleep Code, the official Telerik podcast. I'm your host, Ed Charbonneau, and with me today is Derek Bailey. Hey, everyone. And today we're going to talk about messaging patterns on the web. So today I'm joined by Derek. Uh, Derek is from watchmecode.net. Uh, Derek, why don't you give us a little bit of background about yourself? Sure. So as you said, um, I have a website called watchmecode.net. It is a screencasting service for JavaScript developers where I talk about and show and, and demonstrate how to use you know, all the latest and greatest tools and technologies that I'm using in my JavaScript development and cover things like the, the basics and fundamentals of you know, the, the notorious this keyword and variables and scope and all those kinds of things that sometimes trip people up in, in software development with JavaScript. Um, I've been a, a software developer for practically my whole life. I mean, I, I started writing code when I was 10 years old on a Commodore 64, and so that was 26 years ago. So I've been been doing this for a while and, and have been blogging for a number of years. I um, used to blog at uh, lostechies.com with that group, and I'm now blogging at derekbailey.com, which is my, my primary source of blogging material. So between the the Watch Me Code stuff and and the blogging at DerekBailey.com, you know, I, I tend to put out a fair amount of material covering JavaScript and and other subjects that are related to careers and whatnot. Uh, but that's not my my primary source of income at this point. I am a a contractor and and um, a consultant with one major client at this point that really pays the bills. It's pretty nice having that flexibility of of working for one client and then being able to do all that stuff on the side. It's, it's a, it's a pretty good life. I have to say I'm, I'm enjoying it. I've been a software developer now for 10 plus years, uh, mainly doing web development mm -hmm. and, uh, using patterns and practices and, uh, web development, uh, on the front end, I'm going to say is getting to be more mainstream now than it has been before. Yeah, very much so. JavaScript is really picking up steam as mm -hmm. a, uh, not only a front-end language, but a general, you know, development language. Mm -hmm. So let's go. Let's go ahead and talk about uh, messaging in uh, JavaScript and uh, what what exactly is messaging. Well, messaging, uh, when it comes down to it, is the way humans communicate. You know, we we in software development, we often deal with API calls. You know, there's this object and that method and and this function call. But in, in the real world, messaging is is what we do. It's, it's how people talk to each other, whether it's sending an email or a text message or placing an order at a fast food restaurant. It's the example that I like to give is dealing with restaurant orders and how when you place that order, you know, the, a, a waitress at, at a sit down restaurant or wait, waiter server uh, will take down your order and then go hand that message off to somebody else who will then distribute that message to a number of different people in the kitchen in order to, to cook your order and make sure everything is fulfilled. But even in other scenarios in, in the office, you know, when, when you have coworkers and you need something from somebody else, you don't walk over there and move their arms and their hands and, and 
physically control them in order to give you whatever you want. You, you go over to their, their cube or their office and, hey, you know, I need this thing that you have. And, oh, sure, here you go. And they hand it to you. So there's, you know, the, these patterns of communication that we have in the real world that are very applicable and, and directly modeled in a lot of what we do in software development. And, and a lot of it's really baked into the web as we know it right now. I mean, the, the whole idea of HTTP, for example, is it's all message-based right there. You send a request to a server somewhere that is a URL, but that URL really, it is a message. That URL is the endpoint that you're communicating with, but there is a lot of, uh, of context and a lot of information in the HTTP request that you send. It's, it's a document containing bits and pieces of what you want from that server. And then the server responds with another document, typically an HTML document or maybe a JSON document or XML document or whatever. And those messages are passed back and forth between your browser and the server in order to make the web work. And we can, we can get into even further detail in the browser with JavaScript APIs and how you know messaging is baked into to JavaScript directly as well, not just through HTTP calls, but in, in so many other places. So what, what would an example of messaging be uh, in a web application? How would that be used? So let's say you have a, a large single page application. You know, maybe it's built with Backbone.js, maybe it's built with Kindle UI or Ember or whatever framework you happen to, to like building with in, in a browser. Messaging is a great way to decouple different parts of the application in the browser. So you could have a menu across the top of your page. You could have some sub-navigation on the left-hand side, and you could have the main content display area in the middle of the screen. And there may be some relationship between all three of these areas of the screen, but having them know about each other directly, having the menu tightly coupled to the sub-navigation and having the sub-navigation tightly coupled to the main content area on the screen can lead to some pretty sticky, nasty, difficult to deal with code. You end up with a very tightly coupled big ball of mud where everything has to know about everything else. And messaging allows us to loosely couple these things rather than having all of the different menus know about the main content area and the objects that are currently there we have the menus and the navigation communicate through what is really a message broker it's, it's a third party thing that sits in memory or maybe on another server somewhere if you're doing stuff in the back end but in the browser it'll sit in memory in javascript and allow the menu to say, hey, this button was clicked, and allow the sub-navigation to say, hey, this person navigated to this part of the tree view, or whatever it is. And then all of this communication happening through this third-party broker will get picked up by the main content area, and the main content area will you know, see the message come across and say, hey, okay, you clicked on that button. I need to go show this particular screen in this part of the, in the part of the the UI at this point. So it, it gives us that kind of decoupled, loosely coupled structure where 
even if things are related on the screen or in the application, they don't have to know about each other directly. They don't need that direct tie through the APIs. They can have that separation through that third-party broker. So you get a better separation of concerns even, uh, for example, you could remove a certain widget from the system and not have to go back and recode the other widgets that were once depending on it. Yeah. The, me the message broker is, is arbitrating that. Yeah, exactly. That it, it, it's a great way to, to provide that kind of capability where you can say, oh, look, this tree view that I have on the navigation over here on the left, this is no longer sufficient for what I need. What I really need is, you know, a, an, an accordion view that has sub navigation within each of those panels in the accordion view. Well, okay, let me take this tree view out and put this accordion in place, and the rest of the code never changed. You only had to modify that navigation on the left-hand side because all of the communication is happening through that third-party broker. I like your original um, introduction here with the uh, the real-world scenarios mm -hmm. um, because if you think about real life, if you tried to implement a communication system in real life the way uh, you code up a document, you know, like you're saying with navigation and content, right. uh, having this explicit relationship with each other, um, working in an office would be a nightmare. You'd, <laughs> you'd get a new person and you'd have to learn, like, say, uh, an explicit way of talking to that new person other than right. email or uh, some other communication platform that you use in the office. Right. Imagine having to physically plug some cable between your mouth and that person's ear and learn a new language in order to communicate with that person. It's, And then you got to do that with every single person in the office. You know, there's that kind of direct connection is is unreasonable in the real world. And it's often inappropriate in code as well. So what are what are some of the negatives about this? Like what what should we be concerned about? if we're implementing this in our application? Well, the, the big challenge that you're gonna face is now that you have this decoupled, loosely coupled system, your code is going to be more difficult to follow. Meaning, if you have your navigation directly tied to the main content area, you can see, okay, they navigated to this part, and so the navigation is gonna create this view and show it in this area of the screen. Well, that goes away. Now the navigation, you know, the person does something in there, clicks on a tree view item or an accordion pane or whatever it is. And then there's this third party where the navigation says, okay, this happened. And the third party says, sure, I will distribute this to anybody that happens to be listening for this particular event or on this particular channel. Okay, well, where is that? Who is listening to this? And the broker's like, well, I don't know. It's just whoever happens to be connected. So you, you, you kind of get that disconnect in the flow of your code. And you have to be very proactive about documenting when and where different events are used, different messages are sent back and forth, who produces these events and messages for what purpose, and also who consumes them for what purpose. And, and having 
having good patterns and good uh, common use for these patterns within a given application will make it easier for you to say, oh, well, since it passed through this broker, I know I need to go look over here to see what's listening to the broker or waiting for that particular message. So there are ways to continue being able to look through the, the full flow of the message of the data and the code as you're going, but it does become a little bit more difficult. Yeah. I, again, I like your real world scenario here. Uh, this is kind of the same as um, having a new manager or CEO come to the company and uh, they have to figure out if I send this email, what groups yeah. yeah, what groups of people will receive this email exactly. uh, when I send it out? So the documentation would help new developers come to the project and uh, kind of discover what messages get sent out and who consumes consumes those messages. Right, and, and even beyond new team members or other team members, just doing it for yourself can be incredibly important because, I mean, I've, I've got some very large systems that throw dozens or hundreds of messages around in the UI and in the back end in, in order to make things work. And trying to keep track of all of that in my own head is nearly impossible. It, it takes me a while to go in and dig through the code and figure out what's going on sometimes. So having that documentation is really incredibly important for myself as well as for other developers that are looking at the code. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of us get caught up with that in the moment feeling of, oh, yeah, I know how all this works. And then <laughs> yeah. We take a break from the project for a couple of weeks or months and we come back. A couple back of hours like, sometimes. <laughs> hours. <laughs> Go to lunch, come back. Like, yeah. What was I doing again? Where did this right. stuff fit? Um, exactly. It's, it's like waking up from a dream at three o'clock in the morning where you're, you dreamed about some great revelation and there was this impact and meaning and just this wonderful thing that you have to write down. So you grab a piece of paper and you scribble it down and you go back to sleep. And the next morning when you wake up, you're so excited about what it was that you dreamt about because it was so important. And when you look at that paper, it says yellow banana squid. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just, what was that supposed to mean, right? What was I doing in this code? I, I, I went to lunch and now I have no clue why I coded yellow banana squid into this application. So we know what uh, messaging pattern is kind of now. So... Is this something we create ourselves, or do we have some frameworks we can start with? Uh, what are some common ways of implementing this? There's a lot of great stuff out there that will do this for you. Um, one of my favorites for doing in-memory, um, in JavaScript browser applications is Postal.js. It's a, it's a full message broker with channels and messages and envelopes and everything that you would expect from, from a real full messaging system, but it's all built to work in your browser in memory, and you can use it in Node.js as well, and there are even some adapters to make it communicate over HTTP or other protocols, but you don't have to get a, a third-party library involved. If, if you've already got a framework that you're using, you know, Backbone.js, well, they have 
kind of sort of an event um, broker uh, built into Backbone with just the event system that they have already. Kendall UI as well has the, the Kendall.observable object, which I've used a number of times in, in my Kendall applications in order to, to create that middleman broker to, to do communication between different parts of my applications. So there's a lot of options out there, and you don't necessarily have to bring in something new in order to get this done. So is this something that is specifically for uh, front-end web development, or is this something we also could implement on the server side? It really goes across the board, uh, front-end, back-end, mobile, you know, everywhere you can imagine. Any place that you can imagine these two pieces of the system need to communicate, but I don't have a good way to tie them together because they're they're not totally completely related. They're not at the same time. They're not in the same place. Anytime you get that feeling of, I don't want to have these things tied together directly, you're probably looking at a good place to introduce messaging. Yeah, I think I've seen something like this in the in .NET land too uh, for tying big enterprise systems together with yeah. something called in-service bus. Yeah, yeah. And Service Bus is a great example of a service bus, which is a, a collection of messaging patterns to, to kind of do it all for you. And on the back end, when you're talking about things like in Service Bus, you're, you're dealing typically with interconnected processes. So you have um, one process that is the web server, and then you have some back end process that does the real work. And you can use in Service Bus in combination with RabbitMQ, for example, in order to send messages from the front end web server to that back end. And a, a really good example that most developers understand would be something like GitHub. When you go out to GitHub and you click on that new repository button, the web server is not the process that is actually creating that repository for you. GitHub uses um, a, a system uh, called Rescue on top of uh, Redis, and they use that as their queuing mechanism. So they send a message through Rescue into Redis, and then the backend code will pull the message out of Redis and it will see, oh, hey, I need to create this repository for this user. And it will go and do that. And when it's done, it'll send another message back to the, the primary system that they have in place, which says, oh, hey, that repository has been created. So now the next time the user loads up their, uh, their account on, uh, on GitHub, they'll see that the repository is, is available and they can start using it. And you can, you can sometimes see this happening when GitHub is having a really bad day and things are slow and it takes, you know, 30 seconds or maybe even a few minutes for that repository to actually be created. And you'll see that photocopy or, you know, going back and forth on the screen, creating a repository or, or whatever it is that, that they're using for their little graphic to say that they're doing some work in the background these days. And so that's, that's evidence of a messaging system being being used to facilitate work in the background while the web server is just, you know, being a web server and telling you what's going on. So it's it's allowing everything to work asynchronously. Exactly. And, you know, push these messages out and uh, keep keep the workflow going while other parts of the system are busy. Exactly. And and it can be even more simple than something complicated like that. If if you've ever had to send a bunch of emails from a web app 
and you created a database table to store a list of emails and, and subjects and, and content and then run through that list in some background process in order to send the emails, you're doing poor person's queuing at that point and probably introducing a lot of painful things into your code at, at the same time using a database as a queue and, and as the integration layer. If you've ever done anything like that, you should really be looking at a backend message queue. There, I mean, there's RabbitMQ, which I've already mentioned, which is my personal uh, favorite queuing system at this point for the backend stuff. But there's a lot of other ones out there, including um, ActiveMQ, uh, there's uh, Azure Service Bus, there's uh, Amazon's SQS, there's MSMQ. There's a whole bunch of different queuing systems out there. So if I'm new to messaging, I've never implemented one before, how do I get started uh, learning about messaging and how to implement this in my own application? So are you wanting to know more about front-end or back-end? Because there's kind of two different paths you got to go down. Yeah, let's, let's go ahead and cover both so people can uh, choose which one they need or, or maybe even both and learn about those. Uh, for the front end stuff, I would start looking at some architectural patterns around event brokers, um, command patterns, and basic request response stuff. And you're, you're going to find these architectural patterns are going to be implemented in a number of different ways across different frameworks. But it's really easy to get to get started with these patterns in your your front end JavaScript applications. Uh, by by looking just for for those terms, uh, if you're if you happen to be working in Backbone JS and you've ever looked at the Marionette JS framework, it's built. All of those things are built into Marionette JS. Uh, I know Ember JS has some of that built in as well uh, with their controllers that they have. And then, um, as I mentioned before, Kendo UI this can be built into Kendo UI really easily with the the Kendo.observable. All you really need to do is create an instance of Kendo.observable, and you can start using that as your broker to publish events and subscribe to events, and just pass that Kendo Observable reference around between different uh, different parts of your application. Um, from there, you can get into more of the the real larger broker style with uh, Postal JS is a really good example of that. If you go look at the documentation for Postal JS, you'll start to see a lot of these patterns named again events or pub sub uh, command patterns and request response, and you'll see terminology like envelopes and whatnot. And from there, you're gonna probably want to look into the more formal definitions of some of these patterns. And for that, I highly recommend the book Enterprise Integration Patterns. This book is the book on messaging. It's it's a ridiculously large book at almost 700 pages, and I really don't recommend reading it straight through because that would be kind of awful trying to do that. Uh, but read through the first couple of chapters of this book, the, the introduction and chapter one, at least, in order to get a really good idea of, of what messaging is going to be able to do for you. And at that point, you'll you'll probably start wondering what you can do for the back end of things. And if you're really interested in messaging in the back end, um, I do have my own set of resources for 
getting developers up and running with RabbitMQ on the back end. Uh, I got a website set up at rabbitmq4devs.com, and it's a, a training package that includes installation and configuration of RabbitMQ and getting up and running with Node.js in this case, but the principles are going to be the same. And there's a lot of great drivers for uh, RabbitMQ in .NET or Java or whatever language you happen to be using on the back end. So how, how dissimilar are all of these messaging frameworks, um, including front and back together? Uh, would it be fair to say that once you learn the concept and some of the terminology, at least some of that knowledge translates across them? Oh, yeah, definitely. That The terminology and the concepts are the same across the board. What it really comes down to is just the API differences. Uh, WebSphere MQ, which is a really big enterprise level, very expensive message queue. I used it about uh, eight years ago on a project. It has the capability to do nearly anything in any configuration that you can imagine. But that comes at the cost of not having a lot of these patterns baked in. And so this Enterprise Integration Patterns book is focused on large scale uh, enterprise-level queuing systems like WebSphere MQ, and it gives you guidance and direction on how to configure queuing systems and code around queuing systems in order to use these things effectively. But when you get down to RabbitMQ, for example, nine times out of ten, when I'm reading the Enterprise Integration Patterns book, I can go over to RabbitMQ and the concept is either built in directly or it is facilitated in a way that it may as well be built in directly because it's RabbitMQ does a really good job of taking all of this, these years of knowledge and patterns and expertise from the industry and just putting it right into the, the actual message broker itself. But even, even across the front end, if you're looking at Postal.js, you're going to see the same terminology. You're going to see channels and envelopes and headers and properties and you know command messages and event messages. And you're going to see all the same terminology across all of these different queuing systems. It's just going to be implemented slightly differently. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show to talk about this. I feel like, uh, you know, as a developer with with some experience, I know that you come you come across these problems as you uh, get better as a developer, and then you start actually, you know, trying to create some things like these, not not actually knowing right. that solutions already out there. Uh, you're just trying to solve the problem that you've seen over and over again. But it's nice to have somebody come on and you know introduce folks to uh, things that are already out there that they can grab and start using right away. Uh, versus trying to roll their own without knowing yeah. it's there. Yeah, and, and these patterns, you know, as I've said, they, they apply across the board, front end, back end, not just JavaScript, of course. I've, I've done the same stuff in Windows applications um, using, you know, WinForms apps. I've done it in mobile applications. I've done it in, you know, JavaScript, obviously. I've done it in PHP and in Ruby. I mean, there's stuff in Java. There's, you know... Any language you can imagine, any platform you can imagine, these patterns are going to, apl to, to apply at, at the point where you want to have two different pieces of your application or system talk to each other without having to know about each other. 
Well, thanks a lot, Derek, for joining me on the show. Uh, where can we find you and where can we find you know, more information about your uh, experience with uh, messaging? The best place to find me is at my blog at DerekBailey.com. Uh, that's where I post the, the most uh, information, I think, at this point in time. You'll be able to find my Twitter and my GitHub and everything else that I do directly from there. Uh, I also have my screencasts at watchmecode.net. And then, of course, the messaging uh, training package that I have for RabbitMQ at rabbitmqfordevs.com. And I'll put together show notes, and those will be up at developer.telerik.com. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, Derek. Thanks for having me. It's been great.